Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Together. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us. We're just delighted that you're here with us today. On each one of the pews near the center aisle is a friendship pad, and we'd love to have you fill it out and pass it down the row so that we know who's with us today and so that other people can sign it too. You can see the announcements in the life of our church. At 11.15 this morning, there'll be an information meeting about a trip to Kenya to visit the Tumaini Children's Home that many of us help sponsor. And that will, uh, the trip will be in November, but the information meeting is today. Also, this coming Saturday at 2 will be a memorial service for Arnold Ford, and you're all invited to be here. There's a congregational meeting next Sunday at 10 o'clock, right at the very beginning of the 10 o'clock hour, and you can see the details about that here in, the, in Connections. And also that same day, next Sunday night, is the at-home hospitality hour at Terry and Bill Shubin's house. It's a chance to meet people. The only agenda is to eat and to meet other people. So bring something that you like to eat, something you like to drink, and share it with people. It does help us if you sign up out on the patio today, but it's a great way to get to meet other people that are in the life of this church. There's a Red Cross blood drive just a little over a week from today on August 1st, and I, Sandy tells me that they still need lots of volunteers to work it, as well as people to give blood. So spread the word that we, because we're about halfway there with the quota of people that we need. And also, a trip to Greece is being planned at the end of August, led by Anna and George Kafalis and myself. And there'll be an information meeting about that next Sunday after second service. We will be seeing ancient biblical sites as well as modern sites and spending a day working with some of the refugees who are in Athens. The flowers this morning are for a birthday 
which very wisely does not list a number, but happy birthday, Nancy Wade. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Spirit of God, who hovered over the deep at creation and spoke to call all things into being, you, Holy Spirit, who came upon the prophets in power, causing them to know your word and to speak your will to your people, you, Holy Spirit, who came upon Christ at his baptism, empowering his earthly ministry. You, Holy Spirit, who came upon the believers at Pentecost, empowering them in word and deed to witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. Same Holy Spirit, come upon us that we might see and hear the good news of Jesus and the fullness of life that he brings and by this encounter be transformed to become more like him in every way to your glory. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You, you search, search out, out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If, if I, I make, make my bed and shoal, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. Let us stand and worship the living God. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Sing together, church. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a
His mercy. 
now our call to confession. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Your mercies, O God, never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in God. In the strength of his assurance, let us confess our sins to God. Let us pray. O God, we confess that we have made our lives too settled to seek your will, too distracted to hear your call, too busy to obey what we know you ask of us. You see see us us when when no one one else else is looking, looking, when when no one one else knows knows what what we do, what we say, what we think. We confess, Lord, that you have seen us at our worst, as well as at our best, and that you know that we are not always the persons that we seem to be. Give Give us us ears to hear your voice, eyes to see you, wills to respond to your call. Make us eager to seek, know, and to do your will with faithful obedience and love. Let us now take a moment for personal silent confession. Hear now the good news. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven and transformed in the likeness of Christ. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Amen.
scripture readings this morning. The first is from John chapter 13. It is Jesus speaking at his last supper, beginning with verse 34. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with the last part of verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them, See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This summer we have been looking at open doors. Throughout life, we have so many different open-door opportunities. You've already been faced with many in your life up to this point. Perhaps there are some in front of you personally. Perhaps there are some, certainly there are some, in front of us as a church. All sorts of decisions about career, about marriage, about where to live, whether you're just starting out or whether you're deciding to downsize. I've asked Michelle Luna to come and tell us about an open-door that is in her life right now. Oh, that's nice. We have a little uh, extra accompaniment for you, Michelle. Come on up here, Michelle. Lovely. I didn't know you were bringing your bag bagpiper with you, but that was very nice of you to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think he is very small. Yeah. Great. Good morning. Um, I titled this Thrive. This is not a commercial for Kaiser Permanente, so that, that's not, so it's, this is about me and how God gave me the strength to walk through an open door. I was recently diagnosed with early stage Alzheimer's disease. It was a devastating blow. I always considered my brain to be the best part of me. I was shocked, but I did not languish in self-pity. I knew I needed to find a way to pull myself out. Through the grace of God, my daughter, Andrea, stepped up, came through tirelessly. She visited and researched nearly every assisted living in South Orange County, determined to find the perfect place for me. I've been living at Aegis Dana Point for three weeks now, and not only am I thriving again, so is my cat. You can have dogs and cats there. I have met many residents who are into their 90s, who still shine like bright lights. They are an inspiration for me to thrive 
every day. I don't know what God has planned for me for now. I'll continue to thrive in my new home and by spending Sunday mornings with all of you like I have for the last 300 years. <laughs> so if you're looking for me, I just might be playing bingo. I so far haven't won. And watching old movies, which are really great, or maybe listening to favorite 50s music. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle has so much courage to go through that open door, and you're such a model to us about doing that um, proactively so that your kids don't have to do that for you sometime down the road, but you have made your own decision, and uh, I'm very proud of you for doing that. Frankly, I wish several people in my family had done that same sort of thing <laughs> because it's very difficult for kids. So thank you, and thank you for having the courage to tell us about it. As we look at open doors in scripture, we see people who saw, had very clear calls from God. Some of them have heard a voice from heaven. Moses had a burning bush. Mary saw an angel. The disciples heard a word straight from Jesus, follow me. But there were other people in scripture who were called to do things that didn't have such a clear definitive word, at least not that we know about. One of them was Ruth, that Steve preached about last week, who knew what she should do, but as far as we know, did not hear the, a revelation from God about that. This summer, we're talking about John Ortberg's book, All the Places to Go, How Will You Know? And it's a takeoff, at least his title is a takeoff, on the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. I thought you might like to hear a bit about Seuss, from Seuss about some of the decisions when they're difficult ones. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? Or right in three quarters, or maybe not quite or go around back and sneak in from behind. Simple, it's not, I'm afraid you will find, for a mind maker-upper to make up her mind. So through the years, you've probably developed ways that you make decisions when you have different opportunities, different doors in front of you. Within the history of the church, people have developed a number of traditions about how they have made those decisions. Some people make their decisions based on smooth sailing. If everything is going to be fine, then that must be the decision from God. So if the road that they're traveling has any difficulty on it, then they think, clearly I made a mistake. Clearly this is not what God wanted me to do. So if we had any trouble at all paying off the mortgage, oh, surely it was not God's will for us to remodel the building. If when the new pastor comes, there's any bump in the road, oh, clearly that was the wrong person for us to choose. Try telling that to Moses. He did not have smooth sailing with Pharaoh. Try telling it to Paul. In doing what God called him to do, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, and he was shipwrecked. S smooth sailing is not going to work 
as a way to make a decision. Sometimes we say to God, I want you to give me a sign. Now that's actually based on a story in the Old Testament. Steve mentioned last week the time of the judges. It's a story that's based on one particular judge in the Old Testament, and that's Gideon. Gideon wanted God to guarantee that if he went into battle leading Israel, that God would give him victory. He was not going to go into that battle unless God would give him a sign that he would win. So he figured out a sign and wanted God to jump through his hoops. He said, if I take a piece of fleece from the sheep and I put it out here all night, in the morning, God, I want you to make the fleece wet and all the ground around it dry. The dew will get the fleece wet, but it will not touch the ground. And God did it. In the morning, the fleece was wet. All the ground was dry. But that was not enough for Gideon. He said, okay, God, good trick. Let's do the opposite now. Now you make the fleece dry and you make all the ground around it wet from the dew. God did it again. Somehow that just doesn't feel like the right way to approach God in decision-making, does it? It feels like we're sort of manipulating God, sort of treating God like the genie in the bottle that we're asking to jump through our hoops. Like maybe we're testing God rather than trusting the spirit of God that is within us. What about when there are multiple doors that are open? There are lots of needs that you see. There are lots of possibilities for the way you could spend your time. Sometimes it seems like everybody wants a piece of you, doesn't it? What about in those times? How do you decide between options? I imagine you've developed some criteria. Is it first come, first serve? Is it whoever has the loudest and the most persistent voice that you go with? Is it something else? As a church, how do we decide which needs that are out in the community and the world that God is going to be calling us to enter into? Which open doors he's inviting us to go through? Whoever ends up on the pastor nominating committee, you will have at least 200 applicants, probably more. How do you decide which one is the right one? Which one is the one that God seems to be calling to be here? Sometimes we say, I can almost see some of you saying it, it's because I have a sense of peace about it. And that's, it's close, isn't it? There is some kind of an interior feeling that this is what I should go with, that this is what God wants, that this would be a good fit. But that gets tricky. Some of us were born with our hands up, yes! And some of us were born with our hands down. I am a hands up person, are you? Who's a hands up person? Yes, see? Okay, for us, this is real tricky. Because if I'm asked to do something, I almost automatically say, sure. I've been asked to be on committees at the Presbytery, to lead those committees, to moderate the Presbytery, to be a representative from our Presbytery to the Gen National General Assembly twice, and now, and now I'm leading a task force that meets this afternoon at 2 o'clock and is driving me crazy. <laughs> Why did I say yes? 
I think part of why I said yes, and part of why I have peace about it, is because I like the affirmation. It makes me feel important. It's an honor to be asked, and I like that honor. And besides, it kind of makes me feel indispensable. And that other people notice that, which of course I already knew anyway. <laughs> but when I go through those doors and take those responsibilities that are not mine to take, I am depriving somebody else of doing it. Somebody else that could have done some of those things instead of always being me. Today, I would really like it to be somebody else and not me at 2 o'clock. Want to volunteer? 2 o'clock. You can lead that committee. I need a poster that says, not every open door is for you. But at your present stage of life, maybe you need the opposite poster. Maybe you need a poster that says, try saying yes for a change. You may be in a season where there are new things that you never thought about, that you never thought would be you. And they'll, they fit you now at this stage of life. Maybe because you've retired or because something in your life has changed, you have more time. Maybe you have more chance to say yes to some of these opportunities. Maybe you have less because of whatever it is that's going on in your life. When all the choices are good, we need God's wisdom to help us decide between good and best. We're pretty good at deciding between good and bad choices. But what about between good and best? Wisdom is what Steve is going to talk about two weeks from today in his next sermon, about deciding based on God's wisdom. So I don't get to go there today. For Michelle, it took a lot of courage to do what she did and also to come and talk to us. I'm guessing that it was something that was outside of her comfort zone. Some of us have a very big comfort zone, and some of us have a little bitty, tiny comfort zone. We are heading into a season of change in our church that it's probably going to disturb every single one of our comfort zones because it is not going to be exactly the way it always has been. We were outside of our comfort zone 46 years ago to call that young Jerry Tankersley and his family here. Were any of you here then? Uh-huh, Rafi was. I see several of you were here. What were you thinking? And what was he thinking? Because it was way outside his comfort zone to come to this crazy Laguna Beach, and he has told us that many times, hasn't he? Maybe, just maybe, discomfort is a place that God wants us to be. Because maybe, just maybe, he realizes how much we will depend upon him if we are out there on the very edge of the cliff, hanging on and saying, God, for pity's sake, show us what to do. Did you notice in the Thessalonians passage that I read, what Paul said was the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It wasn't so much about where you live or where, where you go or what your career is. Did you hear what he said? He said that we would be people whose lives 
are so transformed by our relationship with Christ that we would be joyful and thankful, that we would be patient with one another, that there would be peace between us, that we would be people who are encouraging and that we would not repay evil for evil. The way Jesus said it in his Last Supper was that the mark of his disciples would not be busyness, would not be that we're always here, but it would be the love with which we act, not only towards one another, but towards other people. The will of God for us in Christ Jesus has a lot to do with who we are and how God is transforming us and growing us up into the people that he wants us to be. In both the Greek and the Hebrew, the word for will is actually yearning. God's yearning for you is for you to do what? Maybe you know right now part of what that is. If it has something to do with the way you're being transformed, is there something you already know that's a piece of that? that God has on the agenda for you, the place that he is drawing you to, that he yearns for you to be transformed in. God's primary will, his yearning for us, is the people that we become. In our MOPS group, the Mothers of Preschoolers group, occasionally we ask the mothers to think about what they want their children to be like when they grow up. Almost nobody lists that they want them to be a certain career. We hardly ever hear somebody say, oh, I want my kids to be doctors, or I want my kids to be lawyers. They always talk about character. They always say, I want kids who are good citizens, who are responsible, who are kind and compassionate, who care about people who are the least, our six-year-old granddaughter stayed with us during vacation Bible school and went to VBS without her parents. And so a lot of times at this age in her life, it's appropriate for us to give her choices. But we want her to learn to be a good decision maker. So, you know, we say, do you want an apple or a banana? Now, we don't give her choices that we're uncomfortable with. We don't say, do you want an apple or a banana split? We give her choices that are okay. And there are some choices that we make for her. We do not say, would you like to go to bed now or would you like to not go to bed at all tonight? We do make a few decisions because, by the way, that would probably be her decision. But it is important that they are real decisions because we want her to be able to learn how to make decisions. It's a skill that we want to practice with her so that as she grows and as the decisions become bigger, she has some skill in doing it. Think about some of the bad decisions you've made. Anybody ever make a bad decision? Uh-huh. Did you learn anything from it? Yeah. Actually, that's a big way that God teaches us, isn't it? Failure is sometimes the very best thing that could happen because God teaches us when we make mistakes. 
God knows that we will grow more by making a decision than if he just hands us a note and tells us what to do. Making choices develops our character. It's, and if that's what he's yearning for us to do, if that's what he's yearning to do in us, decisions are a part of that. So rather than one right answer for every decision, there are some things about which God is probably neutral. He probably did not care whether Jerry wore his orange shirt today or his blue shirt. He probably did care that Jerry came to church today. But whether Jerry came to the 8.30 service or the 10 o'clock service, God probably is leaving up to him. There are probably a lot of other things that God is more willing to let it be your decision about. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. Remember those books? You decide where it is that God wants you to do something, what it is that God wants you to do. God's will is not so much a dot as it is a circle. A lot of times it's a broad circle. For example, in the entire whole world, is there just one person that God wanted you to marry? Hmm, that person would like to think so. I'm seeing some of you think that. Or could it be that there maybe were 10? There are probably at least 10 God didn't want you to marry. But who are, it could it be that it's a circle? That God is allowed, when we choose a pastor, is there just one out there? In all those applicants, is there only one that is the only person that God wants to be here? Or could there be a circle? Clearly, there are going to be people God does not want to be the leader of our church. They would not be a good match. But could there be 20 that could be a possible good match? Or even two that could possibly be a good match? It kind of changes the dynamic in making decisions, doesn't it? Because we realize that when we make decisions, God redeems our bad ones. C.S. Lewis says, God owns all the roads. God meets us even on the wrong roads, and he leads us to the right places by them. So turning points and decisions in life don't become such anxious times because they become times when we realize that in the midst of those decisions, even in the midst of the bad ones, they are places where we can meet God more deeply and where we can come to understand ourselves more clearly. Discernment is not so much about which road. Discernment is more about the God who finds us on any road. And if we let him, transforms us into the kind of people that he wants us to become. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith together. And the words of the Heidelberg Catechism Question one and two. One of the Reformation catechisms. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, 
not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let us be seated. And let us respond to God's grace by bringing him our morning offering.
Let us pray. Almighty God, your will is revealed in hidden places. We are told to be ready for your Son arrives at times we do not expect. So quiet our fears so that we may walk with confidence as we live our lives for you and looking to bless others because we have first been blessed by you. Help us to raise the needs of others above those of our own and take advantage of the opportunities which you provide daily to witness to the love and grace we've experienced in Jesus Christ. Keep our feet firmly in the way where Christ leads us. Help our lips speak the truth that is Christ as teaches us. And fill our bodies with the life that is Christ within us. As a church, cause us to make our joy complete by aiming to be like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose, to be a witness to our community and our world that we depend upon you for all things. And Lord, by your Spirit, may you continue to transform our hearts, our minds and lives to reflect the goodness of Jesus. May your Holy Spirit grant us the ability to think with your mind, to hear with your ears, to speak with your mouth, to love with your heart, to walk with your feet as you lead us through your open doors. And this day we pray for our middle school and high school students as they leave today for Forest Home. We pray even now that you are preparing their hearts to receive your word by faith. We ask that you would refresh and renew their spirits, giving them joy and love and grace towards one another. And pray that you will open their eyes to the open doors that you place before them at this important time in their lives. And so we lift up the mo this offering this morning and pray for your blessing upon it. It'll be used to further your kingdom in Laguna Beach and beyond. And by your Spirit, make us a blessing to those our lives will touch, that we might be a witness for the sake of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Strength will rise, church, as we wait. Let's sing that together. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You 
find our benediction this morning and in your bulletin is a responsive benediction from a much longer prayer that is by Thomas Merton. God, we will trust you always. We, we will, will not, not fear, for you, for are, you are ever, ever with, with us, us and, and you, you will, will never leave us to face, face our, our perils, perils alone. alone. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated for our postlude.